Jessica, we don't die. Illinois, Chicago. Kwasan Bain and Kim Jin Mo. Kwenon Nisa Chon. Ding dong. Ding dong. Welcome to the Lixia and Alan Show. I'm Lixia. I'm Alan. And this is the Lixia and Alan Show. <laughs> wow. In the drop off in energy just immediately. <laughs> Hi, Alan. How are you today? You know what? I'm not Alan today. Okay. Today I want to be Lixia. That is your right. Go ahead. Um, Thank just- you. Steal my voice, why don't you? Since uh, this has been a common topic this week. Yeah. Go for it. I will. You as a white passing man can totally do it, apparently. I could. <laughs> I'm like Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the like, range. <laughs> I did want to clarify something that came up last week. Um, so my cousin, uh, shout out to my cousin Arturo. Hey. He gave us a lot of feedback on the show. And he he said he was like why did you say welcome back and i'm like what do you mean like we're coming back and then he's like oh i didn't know that you guys had done it before and i'm like okay like one you're not paying attention but two yes we had done it before this podcast (laughs) so yeah this is our second attempt at podcasting uh even though it says season one on there um this is i i think that last time was kind of like our um our prequel trilogy think it was just our lazy trilogy <laughs> uh, admitted <laughs> yes i mean that again our right. prequel trilogy like star wars you know true. episodes true. one through three yeah just a mess totally <laughs> <Slop>. completely <laughs> the overthrow of the senate mm. horrible oh unrealistic <laughs> it would not have happened like that <laughs> jar jar binks unlikable he was uh, the most realistic part of the whole story no i'm just kidding <laughs> I think, and I think uh, our old microphone was a Jar Jar Binks of our podcast. Oh, definitely. Oh my God. Can you believe we were only sharing one mic? Oh my God. You who loves the spotlight so much, constantly having to wrestle it away from you. And I was like, Lexia, don't speak. It's okay. (laughs) I can do this podcast by myself. And thus I was silenced. (laughs) It it still follows me today. So if you guys don't hear from me like throughout this whole podcast, Alan's like strangling me. That's why. Fully. He's like, I still have things to say. Fully. <laughs> so let's get into we it. Dive into um what happened this week. Let's ha- let's dive into what happened this week. Now, um, so I first le- learned about this whole uh hot button topic uh called American Dirt. Ooh. <laughs> Um, on Twitter because uh, Basura. <laughs> the Latinx community uh, came out to clap and uh, to clap back. And um, they're, uh, <laughs> my uh, Latino love novel hashtag was um, very great. Lit. <laughs> and I was like, where is this coming from? I, I, I mean, this is funny. This is hilarious. But why? What, what has um, prompted this? And um, so it turns out uh, 
uh, it was in response to a new uh, book called American Dirt. Um, and this was written by the author Janine Cummins. Cummins? Cummins? No, 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 no. <laughs> cumin is a spice. She does not deserve to be a spice. That's true. That Yeah. She's appropriate in cumin now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not letting this happen. You cannot get away with this, Janine. <laughs> <laughs> Although apparently uh, the... Um, the literary uh, circles say that apparently she can. So, <laughs> well, I mean, she is getting away with it with her. She, she's what number four on Amazon. Not only will she get away with it, she will get paid massively for she it. She got a seven-figure <clears throat> advance for that book. Mm-hmm. So let's do a little bit of a kind of summarizing about what this mm-hmm. uh, book uh, th- th- is supposed to be about. So teach it. Um, apparently this I've, this book is about uh, supposed to talk about the harrowing experiences of mexican immigrants trying to cross the border for the promise of american dream america cue the choirs ah. um <laughs> both anyways oh no i did it again yeah. damn it okay you know how much effort it takes to edit your voice out of this podcast boils my latin blood <laughs> you know how we are spicy females <laughs> Anyways, um, this author is not a Latin author. Um, she is a white woman. Up until apparently five months ago, she was a white woman. And then um, her, with her release, um, apparently once you write a book about, you know, Latin communities, um, you just become Latino, Latin. Um, yeah, because apparently she has... A, Puerto Rican grandma, so by default, you know, she's lived that Latin experience, mm. especially the immigrant experience since she is the wife of a former formerly undocumented undocumented immigrant. Is she? Yeah, th- they she just forgot to mention that uh her husband is Irish, not Mexican. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> facts. Oh. These are facts, people. Oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, so um, she apparently she felt entitled to be, you know, the Jesus of this community to bring us to the light because Good apparently Lord. brown people were just not talking about it. Brown people were just not writing books about it. So she was like, you know what? I'm here to help you out. Um, you know, <laughs> so uh, this book, I have not read it. I would not spend my money on it no. just based on everything the critique it's gotten if someone wants to send it to us if you've like pirated it Please. we're happy to take it yeah well i'll go ahead and read it um yeah. but i will not be giving my money to that woman especially no. when she's already been paid enough mm-hmm. um unfortunately this book was received to massive critic like audiences were like oh my gosh this is the john T- steinbeck of our time oprah listed it as like her part of her book club mm-hmm. you know and uh, it's uh, it's really it really boils our blood mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that you know that this voice has been taken again away yet again from the uh, Latinx community. Uh, once again, we are silenced because our stories are not being told by uh, more uh, is it palatable uh, author and not give not told to a white audience so mm-hmm. you know also d- the I publishing th- world is not comfortable with that <laughs> i think a big <clears throat> part of it was just that she didn't even get the story right 
it's filled with so many harmful stereotypes um and i like i read some of like the quotes from the book of just you know just how uh the common stereotypes of you know like the how violent life is over there and how you know yeah. things that just really end up glorifying the u.s like yeah. as being like this beacon of like sanctuary um when really like the u.s is also behind a lot of what's happening in um latin's uh in uh countries um latino countries latin america latin america my mistake i'm sorry um yeah so that's also another thing you know not only is it like shutting out these uh voices but it's also um it's also perpetuating these harmful stereo stereotypes that um trump would be very proud of yeah <laughs> yeah so uh it's a it's a very big um topic of discussion it was very big on uh, on twitter this this week mm-hmm. um and also it was so disrespectful apparently some of the um s- for the release uh, party of this of this book oh, the centerpieces was, were oh, like that that, that mm, oh yeah. that's what got to me the most yeah yeah the centerpieces were apparently they took a picture of it um there were these like uh what are they like blocks of like cement uh, yeah uh, with flowers and like wrapped around barbed wire yeah well because the, the the cover of the book is some like blue like birds or, or duh, I, I don't know what they are i think I'll, it's supposed to look like the like the mexican tile like the, the yeah. Azulejos. yeah yeah that's exactly think, what it's supposed yeah. to look like but it has like barbed wire yeah instead of like on the grout lines yeah yeah um it's just so the level of disrespect is just on the ignorance the amount of ignorance is just on so many levels here playing on so many levels and honestly it's also a big conversation about it's not just the author i mean yeah she felt entitled to take this story but it's also about the publishing industry as a whole and who they allow to tell these stories you know they sure as hell would not have given this sum of money to a brown a, a brown author you know um yeah the the hypocrisy there and like who gets to write the who are the gatekeepers of the literary community who gets to form the canon you know and it's like we're diversifying it but no these stories are just thinly veiled to still shut out uh minorities and um you know all of all of that um so uh i would like to go ahead and uh recommend another book i personally have not read it but i am going off of uh the recommendation of yosimar reyes who is a very uh up and coming well well yeah he's a great uh poet um an undocumented poet and he has his own like book book club i had the privilege of listening to him a couple months ago and um he is just an amazing guy follow him on twitter he's great um the book he recommended was children of the land by marcelo hernandez um so if y'all are looking for some like actual legit um stories about the immigrant experience like stay away from um american dirt um and listen to some great uh (laughs) 
Sweep that American dirt <laughs> yeah. into your dustbin. Throw it into your basura. Yes, please. And take it all the way out to the alley because we don't want that ish around here. Okay. Estupid. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, and I think we can... How does uh, I think we could move forward? Or Let's not give uh, her any more. Yeah, yeah. Of our time. <laughs> yeah. So, Alan, do you have an, anything else for us uh, aside from this unfortunate <laughs> travesty? Oh yeah. I and you know, uh, speaking of unfortunate travesties, I, I think the big news that hit us all this week was Kobe Bryant's and Gianna Bryant's untimely death in a oh, helicopter accident gosh. this Sunday. Um, yeah. That that was the news that shook up the world, really. Um, I, I was never a big basketball. I was never a big sports fan. No, but, but Kobe I, Bryant was bigger than that. You know, like it's a big name in people's homes. Mm-hmm, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, with that, with uh, with his passing, his daughter passed. The uh, families, other families, people, teammates in, in of the, Gianna's in the helicopter. In the helicopter. Yeah. Um, and on Grammy night, on oh gosh, yeah. Grammy night, which was held in Staples Center, uh, the, you know, the home that Kobe built, mm-hmm. um, it, it was touching to see the tributes that they did in the Grammys. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely huge, 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 huge loss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. Um, so... Uh, with that, um, going into the Grammys too, uh, Nipsey Hussle, who j- had just passed away last year, he won two uh, posthumous Grammys, right, uh, Best Rap Performance, that. Best Rap Song Performance. Yeah. Um, Lizzo also had a pretty good night. She got her yes. uh, first Grammy, three Grammys total. You go, girl. Oh, my God. She won Best Pop Solo Performance, and the last black woman to win that category was Beyonce in 2010 for Halo. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Although to be fair, Beyonce uh, deserves uh, so many more Grammys. Uh, yeah, Beyonce yeah. should be in charge of the Grammys right. at this point. <laughs> Did you know that John Williams only has one more Grammy than Beyonce does? Are you serious? John Williams, the composer. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I just found that out this weekend. Beyonce got her twenty fourth Grammy this weekend for uh, Homecoming for Best okay. Film, and actually, John Williams won a Grammy for composing the music at Disneyland's Galaxy's Edge. Really. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I did not know this. I, okay. No, they have like a category. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's like um, best visual media or best okay. something where it's kind of like a category where they can include video game designers and, and other like types of media and like other things like that. Okay. Well, um, you know what? To be fair, John Williams is one of my favorite uh, composers. Oh, He's absolutely. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> He's iconic. Yes. <laughs> um, Little Nas X won his first Grammy for... Uh, with Billy Ray Cyrus for uh, Old Town Road. Yeah. Uh, best pop duo group performance. Um, Michelle Obama won a Grammy. Really? For a spoken word album for Becoming. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, for like the audiobook? Mm hmm. It was a great audiobook. Ooh, I didn't. Yeah. I think I started to hear the audiobook, but then I was driving back from LA and I started falling asleep and I was like, no, no, no. no. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's not, not what you want to do. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Yeah, like, <laughs> hmm. My friend almost died. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. Um, let's see. Tyler, the creator, finally won a Grammy and for Igor. Best rap album. 
and called out the Grammys. Also, Heck, like yeah. go off, boy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, there was uh, this was in his speech after, um, like a little press conference about how the urban category just includes all the black artists that they want to throw in there, which kind of like lump them in, mm-hmm. just give them awards. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and finally, the big sweep of the night, Billie Eilish won in the top four categories, best uh, record, best song, best album, best uh, new artist. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I think she won a couple more Grammys. What a great year for Billie Eilish. Yeah. Yeah. She's the first. She's only the second person ever to do that. To really? Be no- to be nominated and win all big four categories who's the first um some guy from the 80s <laughs> damn <laughs> I don't sorry to that man <laughs> <laughs> he's not like currently in the public spotlight okay um i forget his name i <laughs> now i want to look it up <laughs> while you look that up i'll keep I'll, I'll yeah keep talking please. about her um yeah she's the se- second person ever to do this um first woman first and youngest uh i'm assuming this man was much older (laughs) 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 which like you know these firsts are nice but like she's only the second person to do that so like if she has long hair and he has short hair she's the first person with long hair to win all four top awards you know that's true yep uh let's see oh christopher cross there you go christopher cross who are you christopher no Uh idea yeah, a quick uh, Wikipedia search still tells me nothing. <laughs> this man no longer exists, actually. <laughs> he was he was an amalgamation of all the white men that have ever won Grammys before oh him. Gosh. He was like uh, Megatron. Oh, my gosh. I hope uh, some fan of his does not listen to this uh, podcast and start calling us out for it. I'm sorry to that Christopher Cross fan, <laughs> but you need man. help. <laughs> Get updated. He won. He did that in like the late 80s or something like that. Yeah. It's been 30 years. <coughs> Let's get with it. I still don't know who he, who he is. But no idea. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Yeah. Billie Eilish completely swept. Uh, I personally think that Little Nas X should have won record of the year. I think that Old Town Road was the hit song of 2019. You think so? I think over Bad Guy. Yeah. Hmm. I, I feel like it did blow up, but I do feel like I heard more of Bad uh, Bad so? Guy than I did Old Town Road. Hmm. Unfortunately, because I do, I think I would. Do you listen to the radio? I I do because I was uh. <laughs> I was without a Bluetooth adapter for a ah. <laughs> almost a year, so I was forced to listen to the radio. Ah. So I can verify that I listened to a bad guy more than I ever did Old Town Road. Okay, okay, <laughs> I feel that. Both songs, which I love, but I do think I I, I like Old Town Road much more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. That 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 was a summary of Grammys Night 2019, and um, and you know, speaking of award shows, we still have our own. Award shows coming on. Heck yeah. The Lick Salon Awards. Oh our link is still up on Facebook. You can go find it on our Facebook post. You can go find it on our Twitter at Lixie and Allen. On our Instagram at Lixie and Allen. Um, we'll post it more. Keep voting. Tell your friends to vote. It's fun. We'll announce your winners on February 14th. Uh, keep in tune. 
keep tuned stay tuned yeah tune something submit submit like whatever you think should go into each category the more submissions we have, the more fun it becomes. Yeah, because we're just a couple yeah. of idiots here. Especially you know? that Meryl Streep award. You know, like, is oh, that... Ooh, ooh. I dare you. I personally dare you. Competition for that Meryl Streep award is hot. If someone other than Meryl Streep wins that Meryl Streep award, I might riot. I, I'll i be very, very shocked. I know we get to choose the winners, but I'll riot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're still going to choose Meryl Streep. But I think so. I mean, try it. Try it. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> Um, and then the last thing that I wanted to touch on because it is getting really hot in Senate chambers, John Bolton's manuscript. John Bolton was a previous national uh, security advisor to um, 45, uh, who I refuse to name. And he is releasing a book in six weeks. And he sent his manuscript to be approved by the White House, which the White House obviously was like, uh, lies. Mm-hmm. Um, but the leaked, the manuscript leaked out. And in the manuscript, there is John Bolton claims that he had direct knowledge of the White House ordering, uh, uh, I guess, themselves to. <laughs> <laughs> I have been ordered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or by who? By me. <laughs> the president ordering his staff members yeah. to withhold aid from Ukraine uh, for information on Joe Biden, um, which has been prompting a lot of senators to start publicly questioning whether we should accept witnesses or not in this mm. trial. It's getting real you spicy. Know, I hope it does some real good. Um, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, most I would say my personal opinion is that 60 percent. It won't lead anywhere. Yeah. Uh, the way but, things are looking. Yeah. But this could be the thing that tips over the edge because a lot of people respect uh, respect John Bolton. Oh, okay. He's very respected in, in uh, Congress and in oh. uh, politics. So he's got a very strong voice for... Mm-hmm. for Especially, yeah. the, he's also he's well respected by the GOP too. So, mm. I mean, so if there's someone that can uh, shift things around, mm-hmm. it could probably be him. It could be him. Wow. Well, you go, Mister. What's his name? John Bolton. You go, Mister John Bolton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no relation. We're rooting for you. <laughs> no relation to Troy Bolton of uh, High School Musical fame. Unfortunately, I was like, I guess he didn't. <laughs> he picked neither basketball nor the stage. <laughs> his, but his head <laughs> was in the game. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe Juice Lee can like represent <laughs> him uh, <laughs> on stage or on basketball. <laughs> I would cry. <laughs> I, would, I would cry if Justice John Robertson's like, and now we are calling John Bolton to take a uh, testimony. <laughs> Um, and, uh, John Bolton couldn't be here today. So in his place, we have Drew Seeley. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's Troy's dad. Maybe Troy's dad is now like into politics. And since his, his son didn't want to do basketball, he's like, well, now what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Ruin the country? Some politics up. <laughs> oh my God. There I go again. Damn it. Damn it so upset with you i uh you have um my full support in uh kicking me out of this podcast all right go lixia has left the building goodbye (laughs) when we're back from this break it's just gonna be me (laughs) 
I would like you to laugh see like you I'm try. kidding. I would like to see you try. You watch me, sad little man. Watch me. Bow. Although we really never left, we've uh, still been sitting on this table, just kind of laughing at you guys. No, I'm just kidding. Um, hey, no, um, we're just laughing at Alan. That's true. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> All in a day's work. <laughs> Anyways, so Alan, what are we talking about today? Today, our main topic. Our main topic. Our, main topic. Topic, our well. What did we watch, Lexia? Mm, we watched Parasite for the second yes, time. We did. Yes. Parasite, the 2019 thriller South Korean movie. Oh, Lord. Oof. Oh, so it Lord. is a thriller. Okay, I was like not... The, the other day, one of our coworkers asked us like what it was. And I was like, I'm not sure, I guess. It is fully a thriller. It's fully a thriller. Yeah, it's like sense. a thriller, black comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Dark comedy. Huh? Dark comedy. Dark comedy. Not black comedy. Dark comedy. Dark comedy. Yes. Oh, please summarize Parasite for uh, oh, uh, honey. For the crowds. Please. I've got a summary for you. It's pretty Pit long, us. but I think it's all well worth it. Okay. Um. So we begin with the Kim family. Um. We have uh, a father, Mr. Kim, uh, mom, Chung Suk. The son, Ki-woo, and the daughter, Ki-jung. And they live in this half-basement apartment, and they're working small jobs here and there. You know, they're really poor, trying to uh, make ends meet. Um, and then uh, Ki-woo's friends, the son's friend, uh, comes to the family and says, uh, first of all, gives them this scholar's rock, which is this like good luck charm, kind of supposed to bring wealth to the family. Um, he gives it to them, and he's like, well, I hope you guys like do well. Um, and then him and uh, his friend, they go to uh, like a cafe and he tells Kiwu, he says, oh, hey, you should uh, tutor this girl while I go study abroad. Uh, she's um, <coughs> she's uh, I tutor her in English and she's going to need a tutor while I'm not here. But I, I like I want you to take care of her because I like her and blah, blah, blah. And uh, Kiwoo agrees, but Kiwoo doesn't have a university degree. He's not in college. Um, so his sister, Ki Jiang, has to help him forge university documents. And that's a first of this many step plan that happens throughout this movie. So then he goes interview with the Park family. The Park family is a rich family um, who live uh, like in a very rich part of Korea in this giant, super... <laughs> bougie designed house and uh so he interviews with the mom uh, mrs park and the finesse that comes out of his like his uh, his mouth just trying to like maneuver his way into this family is in ingenious um and no surprise he gets a job he tells her exactly what she wants to hear 
So he becomes the daughter, uh, the park daughter's daughter. Uh, he becomes the daughter. He becomes yes. the daughter. <laughs> this is a transition story. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, he becomes uh, the tutor for uh, Dahye, the park daughter. And um, then as he's talking with the mom, the mom is talking about how their son, Dasong, is uh, like a very wild child. Um, he has an, a, a weird obsession with uh, Native American things. Like he's throwing around tomahawks. He's uh, has like headdresses on. Um, and and Kiwu says, "Oh, I know someone uh, who might be able to help. My cousin's friend, or like a family friend, or something named Jessica." Well, guess who Jessica is? His sister. Apparently, she does art therapy. Yeah, <laughs> and then she comes in. So you think that Kiwu's finesse was amazing Oof. oh jessica's finesse is out of this world <laughs> she comes in she literally doesn't even let the mom watch the first session with the son uh she she tells mrs park to go away and then when mrs park comes back da song the son he's very well behaved and even bows to her and everything so immediately mrs park is like all right you're hired i got you um so then uh, both uh, Kiwu and Kijong at this point have jobs. Uh, now they're trying to figure out a way to bring the rest of their family into this. Uh, the parks have a driver, and the first night that so this actually this also all happens in a very short period of yeah, time. A matter of days. Yeah. So I think Kiwu gets hired first, and then maybe the next day, uh, Kijong gets hired. Yeah. And then that night, as the park driver takes Ki Jung home or tries to take Ki Jung home, uh, she plants, she takes off her underwear and leaves it in the car. And the next day, Mr. Park finds that underwear in the car. And they come up with this like story of how the driver could betray them and, and he crossed the line and we need to get rid of him. Um, we need to fire him, but but they also want to save face, so they don't tell the driver exactly why they fire him. Uh, he just has Mrs. Park fire him. Um, so Mrs. Park fires him and then says, uh, or ha- is about to fire him, and he is talking to Jessica and uh, Ki Jung, and Jessica is like, oh, you know, I know this driver. I happen to know this driver that's really good driver, has worked for my family, or uh, you know, worked for someone I know. Um, you should totally, uh, you should totally meet him. Mm-hmm. And the mom says like, Oh, I really like this chain of recommendations that we're starting here. <laughs> um, and so the literal next day, Mr. Kim goes to Mr. Park's office and drives him around as like an over the road test, which he passes with flying colors. Um, uh, Mr. Park is very respect or Mr. Kim is very respectful. He passes every single test that they give him. Um, he's a very stoic man or he appears to be a very stoic man around the Kims. Um, so they like him very much. They hire him. Now, the last person who doesn't have a job is, uh, Mrs. Kim Chung Suk. She, uh, the only job that they can think of for her is the housekeeper, but the housekeeper that the, uh, parks currently have has been, in the family for years <laughs> exactly she's been in the family she basically came with the house because she was the housekeeper for the architect that had designed that house and they even they say like oh she's like family um but jessica and uh kevin or kiwu discover that she has a 
she's deathly allergic to peaches. So what they do is that they ha- they shave off some peach fuzz. They plant it around her. She starts coughing. She starts sneezing, getting these allergic reactions. And one day when she goes to the doctor, guess who happens to also be at the doctor? Mr. Kim. Mr. Kim takes a selfie for his wife in which the housekeeper is in the background. And he says, oh, he says to Mrs. Park, oh, isn't this your housekeeper? Uh, she mentioned that she was in the doctors with tuberculosis and and how she could be very sick and very ill and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And of course, Mrs. Park eats it up and she starts worrying about everything and, and how it would look, the uh, how the optics of everything is. And she says, okay, I'll find a way to let her go. I won't even tell her that um, about this because it's too shameful. It's blah, yeah. blah, blah. She lets the housekeeper go. And guess who steps in? Mrs. Kim, Chung Suk. Mm-hmm. All the family has now taken a role in the Park family. Finesse their way into jobs. Completely. <laughs> and so we think, okay, you know, uh, they're good now. What, like, what more could they want? What more... What more could happen at this point, honestly? At uh, this point, we're like halfway through the movie. Yeah, yeah. fully halfway. <laughs> and it's about to be Da Song's birthday, the Park's son. So uh, Mr. Park decides, hey, let's all go on a camping trip. Da Song likes camping. And uh, the mom is very uh, willing to go with any of Da Song's whims. Um, they very much treat them like their golden child. Um, so they go off camping and during this camping trip, the, it's a perfect time for the Kim family to come into the house and essentially live it up, up. <laughs> live it up in their, in their faux wealthy lives. And as they're drinking and eating and essentially making a mess of the entire place, uh, guess who comes back in the picture? The housekeeper. The housekeeper rings the doorbell, is seen through the security camera, and Chung Suk says, hey, what are you doing here? Um, and that, oh, the whole housekeeper says, oh, I just need to come in and retrieve something from the basement that I forgot. I was let go so quickly. Can I just get it really quickly? And Chung Suk says, okay, fine. The rest of the Kim family go hide. Uh, Chung Suk goes down to the basement, starts going down to the basement with the old housekeeper, and uh essentially lets the old housekeeper just go into the basement at the end uh un unguarded uh and so she's down there for a while and they're like well what could be taking her so long so they all start going downstairs to the basement they find that the shelves that are in the basement have been moved apart and there's a secret door behind them so then naturally chung suk follows down the steps it's a deep uh basement bunker that secret bunker that the house has and as Chung Suk gets down to the bottom of the bunker, there's a housekeeper and the husband that she's been hiding there for years because he uh, got into a lot of debts. Uh, a lot of collectors were after him and she needed a place for him to stay. So the housekeeper is pleading with Chung Suk like, no, please let us stay. Uh, we'll keep your, uh, we'll, uh, we'll do anything for you. Like, I just need you to take care of him. I need you to like uh, just uh, feed him essentially. And at that moment, the Kim family is standing in the steps of the house, wait, just listening, and they trip, and they all fall into the bunker. And just like that, their secret unravels. 
completely Ooh, revealed. Oh the housekeeper is like, I know your secret now. Watch me send this to uh, Mrs. Park. So both of the families begin this this back and forth battle of who's going to regain the power. And finally, the Kim family regains the power and takes away the video footage that the housekeeper had taken when suddenly the parks call and say, hey, we're going to come back early because it's raining. Uh, we don't want to camp outside. So they come back early and the Kims are scrambling to hide everything. They're scrambling to move uh, the housekeeper's husband back to the basement and they're uh, essentially fighting with the housekeeper at this point. And at one point, Mr. Kim pushes the housekeeper down the stairs. <coughs> and at one point, Mr. Kim pushes the housekeeper down the stairs, knocks her head against the wall and carries her unconscious down to the basement stairs, down to the bunker. Um, meanwhile, uh, Ki-woo and Ki-jong are hiding everything in the house. Uh, they end up hiding underneath the coffee table with a bunch of broken glass and and uh, just trash and shards and everything. And at that moment is when the parks walk back in. And so Chung Suk is taking care of the parks. She's uh, making sure that everything's okay. She's trying to get them off to bed as soon as possible so that the parks can uh, the Kims can escape. And it's at that point where Mrs. Park says, "Oh, I'm so thankful for you for." Uh, for everything that you're doing right now. Um, you know, we do a lot for Da Song because he had this crazy traumatic experience uh, on a previous birthday where he was eating cake in the kitchen and he saw a ghost and he started seizing up and we almost lost him. So he's like very important to us and we're very thankful, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so finally it seems that Mrs. Park is going off to bed and the Kims are about to escape when Da Song has the crazy idea to continue the camping trip in the yard, right outside the living room, that has the biggest glass windows. Yeah, full length glass windows, like the wall. It's a wall. It's of a complete glass. wall. <laughs> and at this point, Mr. Kim is underneath the coffee table too. So it's Mr. Kim, Ki Jong, Ki Woo. They're all hiding there. Uh, and as Da Song uh, goes outside, sets up his tent. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Park decide, hey, we're going to sleep in the living room couch and we're going to, uh, you know, keep a watch over Da Song. You can go upstairs, Chung Suk. Chung Suk goes upstairs, um, unable to help them anymore. And uh, and then essentially the Kims have to hear the Parks having sex on the couch, yes. which is so disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, in the middle of the night, they manage to escape in one of the most beautiful scenes of the movie where oh. they it's out in the rain, all the rain is pouring down and they just keep navigating downhill, down city streets, downstairs, down like um uh like a sidewall essentially and finally where they uh, when they get to where their half basement is, the streets are completely flooded. The rain has been collecting down there. There's sewage water leaks. And then they walk into their apartment and the whole thing is flooded like halfway up and it keeps flooding. The water keeps building up. So they go in to just save the little things that they could, they can save. And they go get set up at a gym, which is like temporary housing for them. Um, and this is like maybe four or five days into the beginning of the movie. Very quick again. 
Um, and so after this, they're just kind of down on their luck and they're wondering, oh, what's going to happen now? Uh, our plan is destroyed. What are we going to do? Um, and then they go to sleep. And the next day, Mrs. Park wakes up all chipper and happy. And she says, you know what? I think we're going to have a birthday party for Dasong. We're going to make it extra special for him. We're going to invite all his family and friends. We're going to invite um, Kevin. We're going to invite Jessica. Uh, and they call Mr. Kim. They say, oh, we need we need you. Drive us around. Drive me around. Get groceries. Get Run errands. Blah, 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 blah. So they're planning for this party. And we finally get to the party time. Um, Mr. Kim is with the family. Uh, he's taking part in this game where uh, he he's essentially like a like a uh, quote unquote savage attacking the birthday party and uh, Da Song comes in and saves the day and saves Jessica and blah 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 and meanwhile uh, Kevin is upstairs with Da Hye and they're making out at this point Da Hye is the the girl that uh, he's tutoring the yeah the daughter and of the the daughter, park the family. park daughter. Yeah. Um, and at this point, they've uh, started a relationship. Um, so they're making out upstairs. But Kevin is still unsettled with what had happened the night mm -hmm. before. Um, so he had brought the Scholar's Rock along with him. And he thinks, okay, I need to finish what, essentially what, what we started. Mm -hmm. um, so he goes down to the, to the bunker. He is about to smash the housekeeper in the head with the rock when her husband comes up from behind ties like a plastic rope thing noose around his neck and tries to take him down uh and then as kevin is trying to escape this rope thing has like a metal bar like tailing behind him he gets up the stairs into the first level uh basement the husband yanks back the rope knocks him to the ground grabs the rock that was downstairs and smashes it into kevin's head there's blood everywhere oh it's so graphic it oh is my god my, so disturbing yeah and then does it a second time because double tap you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta make sure so then the husband comes upstairs finally again in essentially the the real world now goes to the kitchen grabs a knife Heads straight through the party and stabs Jessica. Well, I think she meant to. He he meant to stab. Um, did she? Did he mean to stab the Jessica's dad, uh, Mr. Kim? I don't remember. She. They mean to stab someone, as I remember, and I. Think, and she got in the way. I think yeah, like they moved away, and he like stabbed her. Hmm. Well, ends Possibly. up stabbing Jessica. Yeah. Jessica's on the ground, bleeding out. Chaos ensues. Everyone's like, who's this man? What's going on? Um, Mom, Chung Sook, uh, Kim, uh, Mrs. Kim, grabs a skewer, stabs the, the, the stabber. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, Jessica is essentially dying in Mr. Kim's arms. Mr. Kim's already started tending to her. But at this point, because the son recognized the uh the housekeeper's husband as his ghost he passes out again so now the parks are are tending to dasong trying to rush him to the hospital um without caring for anyone else who's left behind 
that's been hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's com- demanding that Mr. Kim uh, drive them to the hospital. But Mr. Kim has his daughter in his arms dying. And then at that same time, Mr. Kim sees Dahye running out with uh, with his son's bloody body, like limp, yeah. passed out, uh, blood everywhere. And Mr. Kim breaks. And at that point, he grabs a knife. He grabs a tomahawk that he's holding, and he stabs uh, Mr. Park. Yeah. And after that, everyone uh, disperses. Mr. Kim is nowhere to be seen. Kevin eventually wakes up. He and his mom get uh, found guilty of deception and fraud and and whatnot. They they say that the the subtitle said that they did probation. Yeah. I don't know exactly what that if that translates to. How we see probation here? I think it does. I I think uh, well, at least I know that uh, the Bong Joon Bong Joon Ho um, made sure that uh, the person that was doing the subtitles was uh, that they did a really good job. Oh, okay. So I don't think this was like uh like lazy translating or anything. No, I think I, I just don't know if it, it like if probation means the if, same thing here oh, okay, and okay. over there. Well, it doesn't. S- show that they were like actually like like in prison in or prison. anything yeah i think they would like translate it to something that we like the american american audience would yeah. understand like by saying probation yeah say probation if it didn't mean the same thing I yeah think. they would have adapted it so that it was something we could understand yeah mm-hmm. well they eventually get back to their half basement apartment and at this point now it's just mom and son um and the son is like slowly regaining mental capacity um, and later on finally decides that he wants to go back to the house and see what's up with the house. We do just uh, find out that Jessica passed away. Yes, Jessica yeah. did pass away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he goes back to the house and sees what's up, um, and he sees the front uh, lights flashing on and off, and he's wondering, like, well, what the heck is that? And it turns out Mr. Kim escapes to the basement and there are some lights there that the housekeeper's husband had been using to communicate with Da Song before in Morse code. So Mr. Kim puts out this entire letter for uh for Kiwu, uh for Kevin, and he talks about um just how, you know, everything that happened, um regrets in life and and Kevin essentially writes a letter back to him without being able to deliver it to him. But uh, he wants them, he wants to work hard and do the right thing and buy the house and eventually get their family reunited together how they should be. And right as that letter finishes, we immediately go back to the half basement apartment and we are completely uncertain of any of their futures. Yeah. And thus it ends. And that's Parasite. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. I think it was one of the the most stunning movies I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. Um, that scene alone of when they're like going down back into their homes during the flood, like the raining and, and all of that, that specific scene just got me so much. It's, yeah if anything i think this movie deserves to win the oscar just for that one this deserves best picture dropping i don't care what anyone says 
<clears throat> this deserves best picture and like typically you know typically i i think we wouldn't talk about a, a movie summary in this much detail but it, it's something that the, just it, it's so unexpected it's something that we haven't really i've i have not seen a movie like this before i don't know i don't think i so. haven't seen a movie that so cleverly mixes this insane plot of trying to almost essentially overtake mm-hmm. or or infiltrate into someone else's lives while at the same time being such a social commentary yeah. on how yeah. things are it's brilliantly made it's oh my god it's so clever it's so smart it's wow um uh, it is insane yeah yeah i think uh well uh i could go ahead and talk a little bit more um just about uh uh the cast and the director so um this was directed by uh bong bong joon ho um i probably did not <laughs> i'm sorry i probably did not uh, pronounce that correctly uh look up a, vi- a video of um is it justin cho uh mentioning the name he'll he'll give it more uh more um accuracy more accuracy yeah well uh some of his most notable films have been uh, memories of murder which uh was kind of like his breakthrough film kind of like put him on on the map um the host uh this was in 2006 um apparently this uh movie it's it's about a monster that comes from the han river it's kind of like the kind of the abstract of the of the movie um and apparently this was uh one the second most uh um blockbuster of korea in that time um it made big money it was amazing and it really kind of like solidified his career and then uh we saw um in 2013 he came out with Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. Yeah, which was that I movie think was his, like amazing. Yeah, I think this was his first foray into like uh more like uh, like an American audience or mm-hmm. an international audience. Um and as we know this was um uh with uh Chris Evans. He was in this. And this movie is about um it's set on a futuristic train. Um, where the people on board are separated according to their social status. So mm-hmm. we see that he's kind of like been kind of toying with these themes that we see in Parasite for like for a couple of uh, his other movies. He's touched on it. So it's like <laughs> when I read it, I was like, okay, so it's Titanic, but on a train. I like it. <laughs> but like not so but not so romance. Not so romance. Yeah. And it's yeah. frozen outside for yeah. the entire movie, not just the end. Yeah. Have you seen uh, Snowpiercer? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it good? It's brilliant. Ooh. Well, it's now so I good. I want to watch it. Yeah. Chris Evans is such a zaddy in it, too. <laughs> Even though he's oh. all scruffy and... <laughs> well, I think scruffy Chris Evans is better. Scruffy Chris Evans. I think uh, cut Chris yeah. Evans. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah uh, he also had... Um, he has a history of working with kind of like the same actors over and over again. Um, so he had previously worked with, uh, the actor Song Kang-ho, uh, who is the father of the Kim family. Um, uh, he worked with him in Snowpiercer, the host and Memories of Murder. So there's this, a uh, long, uh, relationship 
there um and he's a very respected actor in korea he, right he is considered one of korea's most prolific actor actors so you know he, and a lot of like his successes came from his movies with um with bong joon ho so you know it's this uh, love very to see it yeah yeah love also to see fun it. fact he plays the korean voice of alex in madagascar yeah I was oh. like, okay okay <laughs> um you know i assume that they did that in other countries because i know that they do that in mexico where they get famous actors to mm -hmm. do the voices the like dubbed voices of animated movies yeah um but that's really <laughs> what a departure right? from <laughs> going from <laughs> madagascar to uh, parasite <laughs> parasite yeah right fully um and then we have uh other actors like um uh lee sun kyun who plays Park Don Park Donik Donik, um, the Mr. father Park. of the Park Mr. family, Mister Park. Park, yes, um, and okay, so I am I love to watch Korean dramas. It's I, I love them, um, and I was like almost screaming when I realized that he's been in some of the dramas that I've seen. I was like, what? <laughs> Dude, um, he's hot he's pretty hot he's yeah so hot. yeah and uh he plays like the third wheel in a in a love triangle <gasps> yeah of I uh, watch his that. notable dramas are coffee prince and pasta and i was just like i literally just saw coffee prince last month and yeah it was, i was very shocked that i didn't realize it was him he was much younger <laughs> um <laughs> look he does not look old <laughs> nowadays um also uh the park uh matriarch the mom uh cho yo jung um her notable work has been uh in a movie called the servant uh that was also very big in korea and this was a period drama based on the korean folktale um called the story of chonyang um and she's also been in another movie the concubine which i have heard of mm -hmm. that apparently it's really really good it sounds familiar yeah for sure. um and she is notable for her choice to kind of take on movies that have nude scenes um which oh. is something that many korean actresses um won't do still won't do because of the fear of being like stigmatized for it you know korea is still a very conservative country um, so she's kind of known for for that interesting um, for choosing all these very interesting roles um um we also have the actress uh, the actor uh choi wushik wushik um who plays kevin uh um and he uh lived in canada for 10 years um and then he moved back to korea when he was 21 um he some of his notable works have been trained to busan which i have heard of mm. uh which is a zombie thriller mm -hmm. apparently I've, I've i've definitely heard of that i think it might be on netflix i think um and he also previously worked with uh bong joon ho in uh the movie okja um we also have uh park sodam uh which uh who plays jessica um, and she's been in dramas like uh, A Beautiful Mind and Cinderella with Four Nights. And we have Lee Jung-un, uh, who plays the family housekeeper. Um, she has also previously worked with uh, uh, Bong Joon-ho in the movie Okja. Um, and she's uh, been in notable dramas like uh, Oh My Ghost and more recently Mr. Sunshine, which is a very beautiful uh, period drama. 
um uh produced i believe by netflix um really really liked it um so moving on to the making of parasite uh some cool tidbits uh that uh of information that i found out was that uh this movie was actually uh inspired by um uh Bong Joon-ho's actual experiences being a tutor for a wealthy family uh for the son of a, of a wealthy family and he kind of like while he was still working on Snowpiercer he was like well you know I would I think this would be an interesting topic I've been wanting to write about this mm-hmm. um so he started developing it around that time but he kind of focused more on it after finishing off with Snowpiercer um uh, there are also some aspects of the plot, like the the killing of um, uh, Mr. Park and the massacre that basically goes on, um, is based on a French case of Christine and Leah uh, Papin, I believe is their last name. Um, and these were two French sisters that actually worked as maids and were convicted of murdering their employers. Um it was the case was considered by some to have been like symbolic of the class struggle. Apparently, they were um, uh, they were abused by <laughs> their employers. Uh, Excuse me. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, apparently, they were abused physically, abused by their employers, uh, specifically um, the wife of their oh employers. Lord. Yeah. Um, and so he kind of drew some inspiration from that, uh, which is a very interesting story i fully recommend you look that up um and let's see so moving on to while we were some of the notes that we took that i took while i was uh, watching the film is that it's very interesting that he makes this very conscious uh decision to have the families mirror each other so it is made up of mm-hmm. the same amount of, of family members. And, you know, if the Kims live beneath ground level on the basement, the parks live above. You have to go up to go into their world. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of like constant, like paralleling and like opposites of, of the family. Um, uh, and I think uh, Bong Joon-ho actually said on that uh, on that note, he said, the characters in the poorhouse have no privacy. They are completely exposed to the street. Sometimes fumigation, gas, or flood water might flow, might flow in. And there's a drunk guy who regularly urinates right outside their windows. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it rains, instead, the Park family, by um, uh, comparison, he says, when it rains, instead of worrying about flood water, they look out and appreciate the mood and the view. So kind of like that, like the economy of how this something like rain is perceived by two different like types of people yeah um which it's um, it's amazing which yeah. is one of the things that i like m- most thought of like when i was watching that rain scene yeah. how like they're just the park family is kind of just there admiring the scenery and like oh this is beautiful when in reality for the P- kim family it means chaos and destruction i mean at the point where they leave that where the kims leave the house they look like rats scurrying away that's exactly that what I've been I, caught. Yeah, yeah, it's oh my god. Yeah. Um, also, another fun fact is that the Kins neighborhood was actually built on top of a water tank, um, and this was for the flooding scene. Um, so when they're, uh, you know, the scene where you oh can see yeah how, like, yeah yeah kind of like a 
traversing throughout in like a like a mattress or something like that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's at, the whole set is actually built on a water tank. Ah, oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I mean that makes sense yeah i, I mean like those. how do you flood a city street yeah exactly actual, you know yeah i love those little tidbits of information um uh and we yeah i think we also while we were like talking we like saw um so what do you think was the significance of the of the scholars rock i it was very mentioned kevin was very like attached to it yeah well what i was doing uh when i was looking into it it's like um like a a good luck charm is this like thing that for them they almost needed it to go on okay they needed something to attach their hopes to mm-hmm. they needed something to essentially like give them the reason to go on yeah when they have particularly Nothing. for kevin i think who seems very very attached to it and he feels he seems to be have been like the most optimistic of the family uh like he is yeah. convinced that someday he will have everything that the that the parks have i mean he seemed to be the architect of uh, pretty much everything, everything or at least like the founding idea yeah yeah of the scheme yeah mm-hmm. and i yeah i definitely thought it kind of represented like his hope mm-hmm. um as you said um, and I think I read also on an interview uh, that Bong Joon-ho kind of says that how like this very rock later becomes a weapon. It becomes a weapon and basically what near very nearly kills him, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that was uh, I thought that was very interesting. Um, uh, let's see. I also thought that the movie is constantly commenting on how america is viewed by korea and just like by like outside you know like the people from other countries um especially by like how people see it like the people of um higher socioeconomic status Mm -hmm. um so we get like all these examples where um for example uh the son the park family son obsession with um with the indians because not it's not really like native americans (laughs) i mean you know the indian the american indian as they call it in in the movie um and i was wondering as i was watching it if uh bong joon ho was actually taking into consideration the complexity of the relationship between native americans and the u.s and like historically you know the bloodshed that has happened um and all of that um what did you think i mean i think with being so i i think that was part of it for sure um i mean the fact that like they were gonna have a pretend bloodshed at the end that resulted in actual bloodshed yeah um just highlighting that that the realness of it you know this isn't just these aren't just games. These yeah. are things that really happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just kind of how like they, uh, the, uh, uh, how they cling to these performative, like it's all performance to them. It's all about the performance. It's all about the visuals. It's all about how things are viewed. Um, the cleaner they are, the more they make sense. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's 
I, I think it has to do directly with that, with h- how yeah. they ended up. Yeah. I think he really uses it to kind of um, expose their ignorance. Um, how like yeah. they don't see this group um, as people. They are like, very much like caricatures mm-hmm. um and it really reminds me of this uh one book i once read called uh a portrait of the artist as a young boy i believe mm-hmm. um uh where they make kind of like the same commentary about like uh how uh, uh oh, this has been a while but um of how the um i think this happens in japan how uh they perceive and how they consume american um media and how that like has shaped like there is also like this idea of what the american indian is and that it's Mm -hmm. it's so stereotypical it's so uh from the 40s and the 50s it's what the the dominant culture exactly determined Mm -hmm. exactly um and kind of i think he uses it to kind of highlight the the level of ignorance of this family who is very interested in not being ignorant which is precisely why they're able to be conned so masterfully Mm -hmm. because they don't want to admit that they don't know Mm -hmm. uh this cleaning service that apparently is very elite but it's all just a ruse they won't admit to it because they're like well we can't seem like we don't know about this service because Mm -hmm. apparently the elite know about it and this is the cleaning service of how uh mrs uh mrs kim was hired yeah. Um, they basically gave uh, Mr. Park a card and then Mrs. Uh, he gave that to Mrs. Park. Mrs. Park calls the card. Uh, Jessica in a fake voice answers and asks them for like the title of their house, their uh, passports, their like everything. And they are so willingly like, they oh, yes, if you, you, you must be the best. You must. If you're asking for this, like, of course, I'll give this all to you. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, the family is constantly sh- doing this thing of like not appearing ignorant uh, because of their social status. Mm-hmm. Like, how could they? Um, so I think he's kind of playing, playing with that. Um, and also, I I thought it was very uh, interesting uh, for him to choose to do that because it kind of seemed to me like for a culture that where respect is so important, the amount of disrespect that is being given to this like you know uh, these people native americans and you know um yep all that um also another thing about like how uh the uh, use of america within the context of the movie how i thought it was interesting how studying in america was a sign of uh status and credibility Mm -hmm. um because the uh, mrs kim the moment she finds out that jessica um Quote jessica unquote, Quote, in yeah, chicago stu- exactly she's like oh well she must be the best and automatically is trusts her as if she's known her her whole life truly leaves her alone with her child i yeah it's, it's astonishing <laughs> that's wild like i would i would never as a parent like uh, no it's a stranger you don't know her it's insane yeah yeah it's yeah and all of these assumptions are made about them just because they studied in america and they uh even just go they just call them by their american names completely disregarding their korean names which is like 
why <laughs> why you know um that pretend that that yeah. whole it's better to look like you're this than to actually be not that yeah yeah um yeah uh one of the i think one of my one of the things that really stuck out to me was the use of uh certain like american words and expressions Mm -hmm. used within like the dialogue uh particularly by by uh, mrs kim Mm -hmm. uh like when she says i'm deadly serious um i think i told and she looks like she's so proud of using it too she's like i use this phrase i know exactly how to use it (laughs) exactly exactly i think i mentioned to you how like interesting i thought that was because um as i understand it there is this common perception by uh other countries in the world that the language like the americans use is very often uh very like exaggerated which Mm -hmm. you know like the expression i'm deadly serious in of itself is exaggerated like literally like i'm I'm about to die from how serious this is (laughs) you know um and that's like uh i i thought it was very interesting when i first read about that and um it's also commented in like other works like uh uh the book americana where like for Mm. like the protagonist she comes to the united states and she just cannot understand why why i think particularly why americans use the word literally in such an unliterary (laughs) manner (laughs) my international friends used to make fun of me for that or fun (laughs) of us the americans yeah yeah um also i think i i asked you at some point why it why was it that the kim family uh, and the children specifically because they're younger why couldn't they get jobs through like uh you know less uh mental hoops well i think at one point uh don't they mention that there's uh like a shortage of jobs that there's like not uh. because they the dad mentions like oh all these college graduates going for the security guard job oh yeah yeah which you know is not that different here mm. unfortunately <laughs> um okay yeah yeah uh what else i mean definitely one of the biggest um topics that the movie touches on is like the uh the um, inequality um the socioeconomic inequality and just how big class inequality um and how big it is and i think uh bong joon ho really did uh great um he touched on this comment in such a great uh, mm-hmm. manner um i want bong joon ho to write the story and movie about my life <laughs> yes please <laughs> we just and the first half of the movie is i'm just gonna be like eh, i'm poor <laughs> but oh. also like riding the trolley and like you know having uh, uh two hours to get to school two hours to get back to school <laughs> but like funny you know <laughs> but make it funny but make it funny <laughs> make it funny it's like drama but make it funny <laughs> um <laughs> yeah uh what else what else is worth mentioning and like it's it's uh, it <laughs> it is sounding a little bit like we're just kind of like um dissecting this movie 
to its like themes and everything but like honestly if you've seen this movie this is it it's it has to be dissected there's no way that you can process this without like looking into all of these things because there's just there's so much in there it's so perfectly woven and crafted and it's just like this man is a genius this man i think he wrote this script by himself he may have had one other writer he had one other writer who did i believe like three drafts of the script for him okay and then like uh he finally kind of like used his three drafts to kind of uh work them into his own oh, okay um yeah like he wrote his own but like used like aspects of yeah. the other drafts and he did include the uh the other uh, person as a screenwriter i think um i for- i'm sorry i forgot uh, his name but he, yeah he says how like uh emotional he felt when he got the final draft and saw that his name had been added to it mm-hmm. yeah yeah like the honor that he felt it is that. it is the wildest journey i if Disneyland could learn from Bong Joon-ho to make rides. Yeah, <laughs> right? You know, like, like there's a story That's that's a plot. Oh that is gosh. that is a plot. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Um I, Dude, I think I one of the one of the it. things that got me the most was um how how these like the <laughs> the original housemaid and like her husband uh-huh. and like how um the kim family how they're just at each other's throats like kind of like you know like oh we're better than you but we're like they're not that different no Um, i mean they're they're both trying to survive they're both yeah uh, it's not helping either of them to fight for the rich people yeah and And ultimately that like conflict that happens in the movie is mostly centered between these two uh yeah these two people who are in the exact same position, you know, it's um, I think it's really making this comment of how like we are kind of like at each other's throats when really we should be angry at the system that makes us. Yeah. Like forces us to see each other as enemies. Eat the rich. Eat the rich. Is what we're saying. Vive la resistance. We just started a revolt. <laughs> you, ha- you heard it here, I ladies think- and gentlemen. <laughs> Honestly, I think if we weren't so like <laughs> obsessed or uh, maybe if things were like more dire yeah. in the world, like maybe in like 30 years when we're running out of like our crops and everything because of global warming and then another parasite comes out, that might be like the movie of the revolution. Uh, I think you know? so. I think so. <laughs> yeah. I. We know it's interesting that... Um, I hear so many amazing things of Parasite. I have not heard like one like bad critique on it. Have you? I don't think so. I mean, well, <laughs> the only things I've I've read is that like mm-hmm. that there's some things that people didn't get, but I'm like, do your research. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, honestly, if you, it's there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Like, especially with with uh, Bong Joon Ho's comments about how like you know the Oscars are a local award show and love it and love all it. of that, it, which is a hundred percent true. It's like not everything is for us to get either like there's some things that are very uniquely korean about this and it's gonna remain uniquely korean exactly you know like it's, it's not it's not a movie for us 
necessarily no. we are very grateful that like, we have this movie get used to it america yeah <laughs> it's not everything is for your consumption only exactly <laughs> exactly yeah and it's just like a it's an opportunity to to diversify our worldviews oh fully yeah fully it's really interesting but also like the the fact that a lot of the themes of this movie is like so universal to so many parts of the world that also like hits deep you know like this yeah yeah you might not get a couple of things like uh the ram ram ramdon thing yeah i don't understand i think it might be like the bougie version of uh uh and avocado Ram- toast yeah <laughs> ramdon is like this this uh when the uh, parks come back from their camping trip um chung suk makes uh ramdon which is like a noodle dish with sirloin steak um and they like they they do like harp on the fact that there's steak in it um which i think you were saying it's because it's uh meat is not as common of a it's uh, not like meal. an everyday thing as i understand yeah uh, much like it is here here yeah um yeah, it's like a yeah, like ramen and like steak or something the way it mm-hmm. seemed in the movie. Um but yeah, and I'm like I I thought because it's instant ramen and you know, this is a wealthy family. Mm-hmm. Um so I I wonder if this is like the kind of like version of the avocado toast where you know, it's like so common to us but like people are like, "Ooh, it's trendy." Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah, there's things that we like don't get about it, but still the themes are so universal that they apply they can be applied like we can see it everywhere you know exactly um like i've seen it in mexico i've seen it here it's uh, i just haven't seen it anywhere else because i haven't traveled but <laughs> i'm sure it's there <laughs> yeah uh, apparently it's there in korea so <laughs> apparently it's there in france too oh I'm per- yep yeah oh that's a wild story you should really look at it, it i will it's great i'm excited <laughs> yeah um also, oh, one of the things that also struck out at me was uh, when the park couple is having sex. How? Oh my god! Yeah, it's is this so like something we can disturbing? Touch on in the, in we can podcast? touch about it. Okay, the treatment of poorness and drug addiction as something—I don't know if the word voyeuristic is adequate. Yes. Or something like sexually perverse like something you can like a skin that this family like can put on to kind of get off on it you know what it almost reminds me of go back to the reality have you seen that episode of the latest season of black mirror where the two guys are playing this video game this like fighting game in like a vr kind of thing then they put like chips on the back of their heads Uh um and the characters that they play uh, I mean, they can feel everything. They can feel the punches, the kicks, and everything. Uh-huh. Um, but they, during the fight, one of them plays, one of the guys plays a girl in the video game, and one of the guys is playing a guy in the video game. Uh-huh. And at the end of, like, the match, they end up making their characters have sex with each other, mm. which eventually progresses into, like, real-life meeting, seeing if they actually like each other. Oh. Like, the two guys. Okay. Um, But then eventually falling back into that, like, VR, like... You know, I'm going to pretend to be something else so that I can enjoy this. I'm going to pretend to be, you know, a completely other thing, which. I have not caught up on Black Mirror, but now I I probably should. It's wild. (laughs) It is such a good episode. Um, But it's it's very much that. It's very much the like, you know, oh, like I can't touch this as me, but like as someone else. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 
so uncomfortable. It was yeah. Oh, so I yeah. Don't know, it was weird. Um, y'all need to watch this movie. I in conclusion, <laughs> if y'all didn't vote for this as your best movie of 2019 at the Lick Salon Awards, we're we'll still be friends, but. But um, I'll assume that you haven't watched it if you yeah. didn't vote it. But it we is will your best. Uh, do the Miranda Priestly pursing our lips mm-hmm. at you. <laughs> um, Joker yeah. in 2019, how original! <laughs> Truly, um, yeah. I think that's all. I mean, I could go on for hours. We could go on forever, but with this movie, but I think we should uh, cut it off. But I'm just saying, here. watch it. Watch it. I think we should put like a spoiler warning um, wh- before we go into the summary. Just yes. So people, um, yeah, are not surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, this has been episode two. We love you. Always. Do you Never love change. us? <laughs> Unless uh, you're problematic, then please change. Uh, Agreed. I am so aggressive to our audience. I'm so sorry. <laughs> they don't like you anymore. I think so. Oy. They're going to fight you right now. <laughs> <laughs> she did. Oh, my mother's calling. Oh, okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.